This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. Today we've got a very special guest with us. We have doctor and pastor Chris Paul with us. I'm very excited. Um, this is a needful subject um, because I believe that um, I believe firmly that uh, what uh, the, the brother is going to talk about today uh, that it's so necessary uh, that we address it uh, and that we're intentional about it. So, uh, Brother Paul, would you just introduce yourself real briefly? Uh, tell our listeners a bit about you, your ministry, and where you currently serve, and we'll go from there. Well, first of all, let me just say I'm so honored uh, that you invited me on. Uh, appreciate that and appreciate what you do uh, for the kingdom of God and, and all the uh, multifaceted ways that you're able to touch lives. And so I'm just honored to be here, first of all. Uh, but I pastor in Buffalo, Missouri at the Chief Cornerstone Church. Uh, I do have a doctorate in theology. Uh, I am also the Bishop of Apostolic Tabernacle in Oakdale, Louisiana. Uh, I am a professor of theological studies at AFFBI. Uh, I'm also on their Board of Regents, uh, serving also as the institution's dean. I'm an author of apologetic, Apostolic Apologetics, uh, National Education Director for uh, the AFF, Apostolic Faith Fellowship. And there in Missouri, uh, I'm the director of World Missions. So I don't do a whole lot. It's just a bunch of titles they throw at they they've thrown at me. <laughs> All right, tremendous. Um, nothing wrong with having titles. I've got a few of them myself, and uh, I have a lot of people that highly esteem me. And I'm just like, hey, I'm just a guy, just like you. So. Um... Well, you've written six books, so I mean that, that has to come with accolades. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, brother, um, very excited about this this topic uh, myself. I'm also passionate about it. I think it's important and needful, so um, why don't we go ahead? We'll get right into it, bro. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, uh, and I don't intend to necessarily preach, but uh, you asked me to talk about something that is you know passionate and close to my heart that I'm passionate about. Uh, you know, Acts 2 and 42 says that they continued steadfastly yes. in the apostles' doctrine. Of course, uh, this is right after Acts 2.38, and, and, and this thing is kicking off. And, and perhaps if I could parallel with a story, and you might have heard it before, Elder, uh, the old story about how grand, Grandpa built the farm, and, and he went out there and with blood and sweat and tears and, and uh, did what was necessary uh, from scratch, and then... You know, he had a child, and 
and he came along and he maintained the form that Grandpa built, and and uh, he did enough to get by, and and saw perhaps maybe what his dad did, and and uh, the hard work that it took. And then of course he had a son, and which would have been the grandson, and the grandson ended up selling the form. He felt. Uh, you know, entitled, I guess, in a way. And, uh, you know, he watched his dad maintain the farm, and uh, he never knew of the sacrifices that was made by the grandfather uh, that went in to building the farm, kind of like the old saying, you know, don't move a fence to understand why it was erected in the first place. But I found that, and I've traveled, God bless me, I've traveled all over the country, and, and, you know, I've ministered overseas some, and, and, and this is the issue that I have found in Pentecost as a whole. We know what we believe, but we don't know why we believe it. Now, of course, that, that statement, that, that doesn't fit every shoe, uh, or every foot, rather, uh, but in general, in most circles, uh, through conversations, you know, we, we, we can quote Acts 2.38, and, and we get excited about that, and, and we know there's one God, and we, we shout about that. We know Jesus' name, baptism. Uh, we, we, we know that, it you know, John 3, and you have to have the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. and But most circles, that's about the extent of, of the education of the apostles' doctrine. Uh, and... My fear is if this generation doesn't know why, then the, the next generation certainly won't know and won't even perhaps do it or maintain it and will end up selling the farm. And so I just feel like the discussion today needs to, to be along the lines of the fact that we need a thorough education of the apostles' doctrine in our churches um, if we are, in fact, to continue in the apostles' doctrine, as Acts said— we need to know not just what we're doing, but why we're doing it. You know, what is the significance of water baptism? Uh, you know, why the tongue? What is the, not just say, okay, well, I can quote it. You know, mom told me this is what we do, you know, not, but beyond that, not because mom or dad said, or even pastor said, or even be able to quote something from the Bible in a response say, in the middle of a, of a discussion, but we need to know the significance of the apostles' doctrine, uh, perhaps before the farm uh, ends up being sold. And uh, in, in this generation that we're living, they want to know why. It's a why generation, and it's an entitlement generation. And and I just, I, my fear is that uh, we're we're quoting Bible and and. And, and we're we're preaching the, the, the doctrine and, and of course and I'm not I'm not talking necessarily just about uh, you know because I know certain standards vary church to church I, I'm not talking about that my my concern is the doctrine the the essential apostles doctrine uh, for I'll give you I'll give you a really good example elder you know I was raised in this all my life my grandmother beat me over, head with, over the head with the Bible every day. And she told me, this is what you believe right here. This, the Bible says this, and you should believe it. And that was good enough for me, but I don't think that it's going to be good enough for today's society and this generation. Uh, there came a time when I challenged myself, well, why am I doing this? Uh, why, is there, why is there not a trinity? What 
is the Trinity? What is what? What's that about? And so you, you edu- I educated myself on where that comes from. And okay, well, this is why I don't believe this. And and you know, there, there came a time where I, I had to challenge my myself and my own beliefs because I did not know why I was doing this. A- am I making any sense to you? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you admit you had alluded to the fact that uh, that this was something that 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 was was kind of close to your heart also or, or that uh, that you you agree with are you seeing the i'm assuming we can discuss this back and forth but but are you seeing the same things i'm seeing and and i guess my question to you i mean since we're both on the battlefield essentially doing the same thing is what do we do about this i think the the, the biggest the biggest concern or at least what i've seen for my generation for instance um i look back and you know you 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 wonder like out of my my whole youth group you know we had probably 200 to 300 kids in, in just my church alone um young people and, you know and, and i look back and i i just how many of them are still serving the lord right. and and i you know as of this moment uh you know sad to report um you know, it's 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 very few. It's very few. Uh, you know, it, it, you you think about three hundred young people and only having you know maybe a couple dozen of those young people still serving God. It's 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 concerning. Right. It's, it's concerning. Well, you know, I think I think the biggest thing um, is you know we can teach doctrine um, and we can tell them you know what the Bible says about it. Uh, but but a lot of that a lot of that I think comes with spiritual maturity, and you know it comes with seeking the face of God. Um, unless you know an elder that has you know had a specific experience, um, you know it, it's difficult uh, as a young person to uh, to understand to 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 know the spirit behind you know certain things that we're dealing with today. Let me give you for instance. You know the, the the doctrine of um, you know the distinction between the sexes. It's biblical. It's it's all the way back to creation. But you know you you wonder you know when that was you know first brought. Women first started wearing pants, and you know men uh, you know you don't and, and you know you could you talk about the Bible says about you know. Man should not wear that which pertains to a woman, and woman should not wear that which pertains to a man, because it's an abomination to God. And and then you have to ask yourself the question: You see women all around wearing pants, and you see these, uh, you know, churches that are, you know, so, sort of embracing this as, you know, pants being women's uh, garments or attire. Uh, but where did that battle start? Right. You know, now now it's not just about clothes. Okay, we're talking about gender. We're talking Correct. about we're talking about all these other things, but here's the thing: that battle didn't start there. The battle didn't start with wondering if there's 500 genders or you know if a man can be a woman and and all these other things. It started right with, with clothing. Brother, I've been saying this, and, and you're you're 100 percent right. And, and look, and I don't think that that it ends with just modesty neither. Uh, you, you, you can trace, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, I mean, if we're talking modesty and holiness dress and whatnot like that, I mean, you, you, same thing with jewelry. 
uh, same thing. I mean, really, it, 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 the devil knew. Watch this. The devil knew he's never going to beat the church head up, okay? And so he has infiltrated the church a little bit at a time with this, with this, with this. This is okay. This is, is this really? And so generations later, here we are. Let, let me let me throw this at you. So our relationship with God and where we're at as a corporate church it's almost as if, and I'm not, I mean, I love big church, you know, I'm not, I'm not preaching against any of that, but it's almost as if it's artificial insemination. It's step one, step two, step three, in an effort to produce a babe, a child, right? Mm. And so I feel like instead of seeking God for God, we're seeking God for a baby, right? When we're forgetting that relationship with him will naturally reproduce. Does that make sense? Wow. That is good. And That's so, tremendous. you know, I'm all for programs. I got some, you know, I might, but then you, you, it's almost like, okay, well, we're doing all of this stuff, you know, where we have this program for that, this program for that. What about God? Because it all comes down to what happens at an altar. And a lot of it has to do with people giving people the Holy Ghost, saying they got the Holy Ghost, instead of letting them tell you that they got the Holy Ghost. I think that's where it starts. Wow. But if these people truly get the Holy Ghost, as in Acts, we have us speaking out of the tongues, and, and you don't have to tell the one they got the Holy Ghost when they get the Holy Ghost. They'll tell you. you they know they got the Holy Ghost. Right. Well, yeah. I, I think it starts there. But then we do all these steps that's artificial insemination. Instead of based off relationship, we do all these steps. And at the end of the day, we're seeking God for a baby instead of seeking God for God. Then it's, well, the baby needs milk. <laughs> the baby needs clothes. In other words, I have to seek God for, for a word for the baby. We have to do We have to have another program to keep the baby interested. And God's like, hello. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's. I don't know and that I've think, ever had it put on that wise, but I think that's a that's a new perspective. That's a that's a, a good way to look at it at what we're dealing with today. Yeah, go ahead. I continue. think that it starts with what you're saying. Of course, biblically, we we have line upon line, precept upon precept. We know what we're supposed to be doing, and the end result of it is what you're seeing today. We it, it, the apple, the proverbial apple, continues to fall further and further and further away from the intended tree um the the intended idea it's uh, it's almost like we're skipping over what god intended to get to the fruit of uh of the heart of the, the heart of the matter or what we feel is the heart of the matter uh, and god's like you're missing it you're missing the relationship you, you know you, you think the baby is the pinnacle and the baby is really not the pinnacle but it starts there you know, back back to what we're saying, and so um, as a result, because of that lack of real relationship, we don't care about the apostles' doctrine as we should. Uh, you know, instead of some of these programs and classes, why why is there no uh, new discipleship care classes that? Really, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. Now, some people do. Some people do. This isn't everybody. I know that. But, you know, if this is tall, it's skimmed over and it's assumed. Okay? And you can't do that. 
because there's people who just don't know. And if we don't tell them, they're never going to know. And this next my should I have grandkids? I promise you they're not going to know. They're not going to – can I give you something else to look at along this subject? So watch this. So King James Version Bibles, okay? Either way, not, not, no argument there. Either way. Okay, and I prefer King James. Well, they're hard to find in bookstores, right? So in a couple of generations, some wise guy is going to say, well, how do you know which one of those to believe? In fact, they say so many different things. How do you know it's true at all? It's true at all. I think that that's where that's going. And it's like what you were talking about with modesty. It's the same thing with the Word of God. Eventually, you know, in a few generations, what what, what what's really there? Because with each new, uh, you know, be it the NIV or whatever, each new Bible they come up with, uh, it either adds to or takes away from King James and uh, or that version rather. And so eventually we're going to come to a place to where, well, I just, I, I can't believe any of it because it's all tainted. Do you understand what I'm trying to go? Wow. Yeah. And it's the same thing with what you're saying with each generation. And eventually we're just going to sell before them. Now don't get me wrong. I know God's going to have a church, but my goal is to, to get as many people to go to heaven as I possibly can. And this is definitely an atom bomb in this war. Wow. Yes. So, but, and don't get me wrong, you know, Elder, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical. Thank God for a man uh, that's, that, that's teaching and preaching and doing the best they can. Uh, but perhaps before we're worried about some of the stuff that is uh, taking the fore, forefront there, we need to make sure that we get the basics down. Uh, it's bad enough that, you know, Pentecost today as a whole isn't what it was when I was coming up. And so I know it's not going to be for my kids or grandchildren. And so even, you know, when you say you're Pentecostal, you kind of have to, okay, well, what what, <laughs> what type, what kind, you know, it can yeah, mean anything yeah, these days. Right. I, I say Pentecost has been hijacked. Uh and so I started saying, well, we're just going to stick with apostolic. But then even at that, I see more and more apostolics going this, this route. And so if we don't teach our children, and not just our children, uh, but just general you know, folks in our church, what is what? This is what you believe, and here's why, uh, that I feel like that uh, this might be part of the rocks crying out or someone else crying out uh, because yeah, that, that great falling away, that's what I think that uh, that this is talking about. I really do. And so if we don't put something, you know, some kind of measure, but it's hard to do. There's so many churches out there and, and there's so few voices that are voicing this. Most people just want money and a number and, and a big building. You know, and I, well, I want a church that's going to teach and preach the truth and and uh, have, have something to pass down. And again, I'm not trying to be critical, uh, but someone needs to sound an alarm in this avenue, in my opinion. I think you, you made a good point when you were talking about um, specifically, uh, you know, these men, men and women of God basically uh, rising up 
to the occasion. I mean, here's the thing. Throughout the scripture, and even throughout history from the moment of, you know, the concealing of the canonization of the Bible, you continue on through generation to generation to generation to where we are today. There's always been a man of God, right, that speaks to the generation. Well, so we, what what we need to do is, you know, we have we we pardon the vernacular, but you know, it's 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 just the reality that we're facing. We're idolizing great preachers, right? Great That's people right. that you know they're sure. they're either uh, demonstrative or they're great. They have great oratory, and and we we we. You know, when we're planning our conferences, you know what I wonder about conferences? Why is it that we're not utilizing our local preachers more? That's right. You want to you want to talk about you know this this and 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 here's the thing we we've created we've created it we've created superstar preachers where the you know they're and I love good preaching I love you know I love being fed the word of God but I would love to see more men and women who are acting in the authority and their God-given gifts in the corporate body as a whole. Because, you know, we've, you know, and then, and then what happens is you put these people on these platforms, these pedestals, and then <laughs> here's the thing, we're all human. They make a mistake. And now they're way out in left field because we idolized them and we we elevated them above ourselves and others and then they get to a point where now they don't feel like there's a way back in right and and, and so that's also i mean i i think it comes back to the apostles doctrine well what do they believe obviously you know um maybe i shouldn't say obviously because i i may have some listeners that don't know what that is uh, you know, you have baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, uh, repentance from sins. You've got a, you know, you have different steps of 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 your salvation process, and at the end of the day, it's you've got to continue steadfast. You've got to run the race patiently, and you've got to endure until the end, and you've got to, you know, uh, save yourself from this untoward generation. At the end of the day, it comes down to you and you making it till the end. If you're yes, going to be sir. saved, you know, and, yes, sir. and, and, and maybe we've done ourselves a disservice by saying, yep, you've been baptized in Jesus name, uh, or you've repented of your sins. You've been baptized in Jesus name. You received the gift of the Holy ghost. You're saved. Well, that's not really true. Is it? Because we've got to endure until the end of our life, serving Jesus Christ, doing the will of the father. If we aren't doing that, I mean, <laughs> Right. that's one of those things that's one of those things um you know and we look at uh you know so what about the gifts well, i'll tell you what it, it, it this is this is what it reminds me of if you remember first samuel 14 and 2 you know you have saul and jonathan uh, and they each they had, the whole the whole army of israel had two swords saul had a sword i mean he was a king that made sense and Jonathan had a sword, right? Right. And the Bible says that Saul went and sat under a juniper tree, and that his whole army passed by 
and viewed his sword. They would just come by. They, they lined up, bro, and they walked by, and they, man, look at this sword. Look at the jewels. Look at the inlaying gold. Look at the, the look how big and powerful his sword is. Look at that sword. We got our standards. You know, look at our programs. Look how awesome. Look at look at our buildings. Look at our superstore rock star preachers. Look, look what all we have. Look, and they admired, the Bible says they admired Saul's sword. All the while, their enemies were destroying their communities, taking their children and, and, and their wives while they sat under a tree and admired all that they had. That's what, and Jonathan, he had a whole other idea of what swords were used for. <laughs> swords were made to fight. And so Jonathan and one other went and charged at the Philistines and and and, and ended up killing them. They, the rest of them took off running. And uh, Saul looked and saw two men chasing some, some bad guys. And the Bible says that they went and joined in the chase. In fact, the Bible says that those that had backslid and joined the other army, they saw what had happened, and they went and joined in the chase also. So my point is this, if we will, I hate to quote T.F. Tenney, but if we'll keep the main thing the main thing, you know, and, and instead of looking at what we have, if we'll take that sword of the spirit, take that apostle's doctrine and go fight with it, I believe other people, like in the story I just quoted to you, other folks, other saints will join in also, might even get some backsliders to come in. But the bread and butter has always been the apostles' doctrine. It's there. That weapon is there for us to look at and look at our building and, 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 and you know, look at the, uh, the fancy furniture in our church and our, our awesome preachers and, and how well they speak. But, I mean, this thing was made to fight with. You're never going to you're, – you're never going to hurt that sword. You know, that sword was made for blood. That sword was made to fight with. Are, are you still there? Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. I think that, um, yeah, you know. Okay, I didn't know if I... Yeah, no. That, uh, so, you know, you're talking about, you know, the Apostles' Doctrine being, you know, a sword. And, and, and it really is. You know, you, here's the thing. The Apostles... Those were the guys that were there with Jesus. And we talk about being Christ-like. We talk about serving the Lord. We talk about uh, being led by the Spirit. And, well, if you're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit or the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Christ that lives inside us. So if it's the Spirit of Jesus and these apostles follow Jesus and, you know, you know, Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. Right. So... You know, and, and, and we, we, we look for the accolades, we look for the, you know, look at my building, look at my people, look at my parishioners, look at how good we're doing, look at this, look at that, look at me. Well, what about look at God? John the Baptist had it down. What did he say? He said, I must decrease. Right. So that he can increase. Whatever happened to humility? Where did that right. go? Where did that go? You know, we'd be we'd be we'd be much better off, and it'd be easier for us to love on each other, 
and to forgive one another. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could tell you all the stuff about going on in here in Maine. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's so much division in Maine in the body of Christ. There's just so much division. So-and-so doesn't like so-and-so. Uh, he preached a message and he didn't like. And this guy fell and he's back preaching. And so we're going to excommunicate him. And, you know, you just got all these different situations when, hello, such were some of you. Right. I think it comes back to God can use anybody. And he wants to use everybody. You know, something that you said made me think, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of ministers teach and preach that there's only one unforgivable unforgivable sin, one unpardonable sin, blasphemy. We you know, I've heard that all my life. But you know that's not true. There's another one. And, and the Bible says that if you don't forgive, that your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, that's straight out of the Bible. A lot of people, you know, they, they don't, they don't, I guess they don't realize that. Uh, and it's, it's beyond, you know, we'll forgive as you're forgiven. But he just, he point blank said, if you don't forgive your brother, I'm not going to forgive you. In fact, in, in in the parable of the talents, you know, I don't know about your Bible, man. My Bible <laughs> says that, you know, that our father would do the same that happened in that, that parable, that if we don't forgive, everything we've been forgiven of will come back on us. Wow. Read the story. That's good. <laughs> you know, and so... If we're going to actually, if we're going to facilitate this coming back, you know, don't remove the ancient landmark, right? right. Uh, they've crossed the Jordan and now they've, they've set up something as a reminder of what God right. has brought you from and what God has brought you to. You had, you know, this stones put in the water. You had stones taken out of the water. Now think about that for a second. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, well, why did the stones come out of the water? Well, okay. That's because you need to remember that your past, God leaves in the water, and he carries the rock. Well, he is the rock, but he carries the rock of your life into your purpose and into the plan of God for you. And that's not just for, that's not just for, you know, Nathaniel Urshan, and that's not just for Joel Urshan, and that's not just for Joel Holmes, and that's not just for uh, Lee Stone King and Jeff Arnold and all these really great preachers. That's for everybody. Right. That's for everybody. And, and it's not like the Apostles' Doctrine is, you know, or, 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 you know, that we have some kind of skittish, incomplete God to defend to the death. I mean, if there's a truth out there, and the, that word's taken in context. This is it. You know, for example, please show me anywhere in that Bible where anyone was baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not in there. In fact, if you study where uh, that the Trinity formula of baptism comes from, the Catholic Church will tell you they changed it. It's in their books. Yep. You know, so it's not like we we, we, we have to be skittish about this. I mean, you got to use wisdom, but but I mean. This is the truth. This isn't some made-up thing. You have a whole book 
of people getting the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. A lot of folks say, you know, just, just all you got to do is believe. Okay, well, show me that in the Bible somewhere when taken in context. And a lot of people take it. See, a lot of the issues, you know, when it says the study to show yourself approved, you know, line upon line, precept on precept. This is why you don't have a whole chapter, really, or a whole book on one particular thing. You have to take it in context, bro. And when you take it in context, you know, the, 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 oh, I believe, okay, well, what about call on the name of the Lord shall be saved? Okay, well, that was written to the church of Rome. The church of Rome. People who already had the Holy Ghost. You can't make that, you know, nor normative you have to go to where they got the holy ghost to find out how you get the holy ghost the birth of the church not into a letter written to the church you know but you don't know this unless you study it or you teach it in your churches right right uh one oneness of god that same thing you know like the apostles doctrine it's not hidden uh it wasn't done in a corner Agrippa you know it, it, this is is it's it's loud it is proud it's on the the, uh, the, the forefront of things it you know th this is it this is there, there's only one way it's straight and it's narrow and trust me as loud as Pentecostalism has been they've been trying to do away with it since its birth and they're still trying but they can't because the truth is is always going to be the truth and it don't need your help you don't have to lie about it you don't you know you don't have to make something up the truth is always going to be the truth and the truth will stand the truth will endure to all generations yes sir but we have to teach it yes you have to teach it and, and you know and i think that you know and i must say this you know and, and i'm not trying to be political but i think the times are going to come uh that, that book, that Bible, is going to end up being considered hate speech. And that's why the word, you know, the Bible said to hide the word in your heart that you sin not. And uh, I would challenge anyone who, who may be listening, uh, go back to your youth and ask them some questions. Ask them, how are you saved? How do you know you're going to go to heaven? And see what they, what they say. They'll quote Acts 2.38. They'll say you have to have the Holy Ghost. And then ask them why. Or better yet, when they say we gotta be baptized in Jesus' name, ask them why. What's the significance of water? Why water? <laughs> ask them. Uh, and, and here's a good one. Ask your young people. Ask anybody. Ask the elders in your church. Write on a sheet of paper every Bible verse you can think of. And when they take that Bible away, when it's considered hate speech, that's what you're going to be left with. Wow. And I think a lot of youth pastors, a lot of pastors are going to be shocked. When I was comfortable and, and made friends with some churches when back when I was evangelizing, I did that. I asked them. Uh, I had preached a message similar to this, and, and I said, do we know why we believe this? And I point blank asked. And I, never, I started with the young people, and they couldn't answer me. And I said, okay, well, fine. You know, I'll open it up. And, bro, all I got, I kept getting Acts 2.38. Every once in a while, I'd get something a little bit deeper than that. But that was the gist of it. We do not know, as a whole, the majority of churches, we do not know why we're doing what we're doing. That's the scary thought. Wow. 
I mean, think about this. Saul, you know, he's he's he was appointed by man. God allowed the people to have a king. Um, it was their choice. Um, and he he knows the process. He knows that there's only specific people, only the priests and the prophets are supposed to offer the sacrifices. He knows. He knows this. He knows that when God says something, he needs to be obedient to God's word. He knows that God is the one that has brought him through all the battles and, and all these other things. And, and here, he's told, kill them all, kill everything. Don't save anything alive, get rid of them all. Right? What's he do? He does what he wants to do, and then he decides, well, I'm going to keep, uh, I kept the king because, you know, and, and I and I kept the some of the some of the animals so we can offer sacrifices and and he decides he's going to do it himself, right? Right, and that's maybe that's where we are today, where we think we're okay because we have, you know, we we think we know what the truth is, and you know we we think we're okay and right because every once in a while we feel the presence of God we think we're okay. You're right. And Saul, so yeah. You're 100% correct. There's no point. There, I, there, there's, there, from that moment, I don't think you can find where God spoke to him. You're right. And I, and I agree. I think that that's exactly where we are uh, right now as a church, as the church body. My question is, what's next? Like, if this goes, if God tarries, and this goes down like this, will, will there be more silence, or will he raise someone up? I don't want to find out, to be honest with you. We need to be passing, and I think this is, this is the key, we need to be passing on not only the doctrine, but a love for the doctrine. Yes, sir. And to get a yes, love sir. for the doctrine, you've got to know why, where it came from. Because, you know, and, and, and we all know, I'm not going to get to heaven on my pastor's coattails, and my children aren't going to get to heaven on my faith. It's just not going to happen. Well, let me, let me show you what else the devil's doing. Just like with the Word, just like with holiness, and, and uh, now with our doctrine. You know, you had mentioned the prophets in the old, you know, when the prophet showed up late, it is what it is. If a prophet told you to do something, uh, you did it. You know, if you were concerned about a battle or, you know, you consulted the man of God, you talked to the man of God, uh, they didn't question you. They did not, uh, certainly didn't disrespect you, second guess you. That was the connection with God. And... I believe one of the tricks of the enemy is to water down the ministry to where, you know, you know kind of like God calls some and some just went. Uh, there's that. But then there's such a disrespect. And I'm not saying, you know, I want a red carpet laid out for me. Uh, it's just getting difficult for a man of God to say, thus saith the Lord uh, to this generation uh, because of well, there are several things that's played into this, but it's just very difficult for me 
sit across the table from someone and say, listen, this is what I think you need to do. Because they have so many other voices in their ear instead of the one voice uh, that has been sent to talk to them, to advise mm. them. Uh, they'll turn the internet on or the television or whatever, and, or they'll have a, a favorite uh, evangelist, they'll YouTube, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with listening to that stuff. But I think you have to listen to your pastor. I think the pastor is that one voice, that shepherd of those sheep, that under shepherd. And else, what do I mean? What are we doing? You know. Yeah. And so, in order for a pastor to teach, hey, this is the apostles' doctrine. This is why you believe this. You know, you have to be able to have the ear of the sheep. And if the ear of the sheep is being taken by every other thing, and, and the sheep begins to, uh, be, or the shepherd rather, rather begins to be disrespected, uh, like what you're talking about with Saul, that I feel has become another trick of the enemy, uh, another trick of the devil to keep the gospel under wraps. Do, do you understand what I'm feeling miserably at saying, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? No, I absolutely, I agree 100%. There is definitely a decline in, maybe it's maybe it's not even necessarily that the word of God is being watered down or that the preaching is watered down because the truth is still being Correct. preached. But there definitely is a decline in, um, in the reception of yes. the role of spiritual authority in their lives. Exactly. And so what's... And so what's happening is if you don't appreciate the man of God and you don't understand that uh, he's not preaching certain things or saying certain things to you to be rude or unkind. But here's the thing. And we, as a parishioner, I think uh, people forget, forget this, that the Bible says that you as a pastor or my pastor are going to be have to give an account Correct. for everybody that's under their care. The Bible calls the pastor a watchman on the wall, uh, a, a shepherd. Uh, I mean, that's what pastor actually means. It, it means shepherd. And there's a relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. That's that, right. That if you ever studied it out, man, it is very, very, very detailed and very deep. But the problem is there's so many voices mm. that are calling out to sheep. It's drowning out the shepherd, the real shepherd. Uh, and, and I'm not, I, I mean, thank God for anybody who's trying to get the gospel out, okay? I'm not being critical. Uh, but, but I think it's kind of funny. You have these folks that call themselves pastor, but they're on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know that that's a pastor. I mean, who are you leading exactly? Right. Uh, you can be a preacher. But like I say, this is watering down, you know, and, and not just pastor. I mean, look at the whole fivefold. I mean, uh, uh, prophets, for example, prophets, you know, you, it, it's so bad and, and with, with that that you, you don't really know who, 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 can you believe this guy? You know, you're really relying on the Holy Ghost to identify discernment with some of this stuff but it's not just pastor but i say pastor because that that that's who is going to have to end up you know pastors and teachers are ended up teaching the 
uh, apostolic doctrine. Right, right. Uh, so that, that's who we're addressing right now. But if you, you know, if you're not listening to that, or if you, you, you kind of, you know, have tongue in cheek with regard to your pastor, uh, this is just another trick of the enemy to keep the gospel at bay. Right. And and I think what it what it really comes down to is. Uh, what we, we we need a revival of people that will say, you know, give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to the church. And when we open ourselves up to that, it makes us receptive to what our pastor's telling us. It makes us receptive to the Word of God and the voice of God in our life. Whether it's the audible, literal voice of God, or whether it's God speaking through our pastor, or through a, a you know a, a prophet, or an evangelist, or even just a teacher, whatever it is, because all those things work together. That's the way God designed it, and that's what the apostles' doctrine is. It it all works together. You can't take a part of it out and think that it's still okay, or add anything in and think it's still okay. You know, it's got to be that pure, that that fundamental truth. And that's what we can't get away from. And so, so I think, I think really, what it ends up coming down to this whole conversation, it's we need to have ears to hear what the Spirit is going to say to the church. I think the remedy. I think you you said it a while ago. Uh, I think it's going to be falling in love with the doctrine, falling in love with the truth, uh, which is a byproduct of falling in love with Jesus. Yes. Uh, when when he's at the forefront of things when you really love jesus you're going to love what he has to say and Amen. you're you know the, the folks that are tuning in right now uh to this podcast to to, to what to what you do you know they could be listening to anything right now but i wholeheartedly believe that you don't listen to stuff like this unless you're in love with jesus you right. know right. uh and, well i mean you know because you know you want more of the Lord. You want as much as you can get of things dealing with Christ. You know, people that listen to this will be the ones listening to preaching as they drive down the road, kind of, you know. And so it starts with you folks, the ones that are listening, uh, people who have a passion for Christ. We have got to put to the forefront that we must continue in the Apostles' Doctrine. Don't just tell your grandkids about it. Don't just tell your children about it. Tell them why you're doing what you're doing. I, I set my kids, well, they're not at home anymore, but I would set my children at the table. I'd say, sweetheart, Victoria, I want you to listen, baby. This is why you don't cut your hair. This is why. It's right here. This, this is the five main reasons. Tori, this, this is why when they say, what's this tongue talking? This is why. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, but then you have continued evidence of the Holy Ghost, and this is what this is. Kate, I have a boy named Kate, I have Brianna, Jaylee, sit at this table, listen to me, sweetheart. Kids, listen to me. Put your phone down and listen, okay? This is why there's one God. This is right here. This is why it's impossible for there to be more than one God. In fact, it would be ad infinitum. I mean, the burning bush would be God at this point. You know, this is why it's not. Emmanuel, God with us. Here's another reason. Look, read it. This is why there's only one God. Jesus would be an illegitimate child. 
if there was more than one God. Because the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, yet we're calling God the Father. Co-equal, co-eternal, it defeats itself. Here's why. Those conversations must be had. You ask, you know, hey, come talk about your passion. That's my passion. These conversations have got to be had. You can't wait for the preacher to do it, although it must be taught at church. You have to sit your family down, and we have to teach this to our kids. We have to teach this to our spouses. You have to have this dialogue at a dinner table somewhere and say, okay, yeah, this is great. This is why. This is what. But here's why. And if you don't know why, find out why. You know, challenge yourself. Be role play. Be the other person. Okay, why am I believing this? Why is it not like this? Why can't I just say I believe in, in Christ and make it to heaven? Those conversations need to be had, but it, it starts with falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with the truth, and having a conversation about it with people. Amen. Well, bro, this has been absolutely incredible. I, I believe that this is going to, I think it's going to spark something in, in the hearts and the minds um, of, of the listeners, um, of the audience, the people that faithfully tune in. Um, and I'm excited. So uh, just want to thank you again for joining us on Abbasalk Theory. It's been an incredible blessing, um, and I'm looking forward to the connection. Man, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I hope I did you some some kind of justice. I, uh, I would like to take a quick shot at you and plug my books. <laughs> yes, sir. Go ahead. Go Man, ahead. Available. Available on Amazon. Uh, in fact, it, it made it all the way up to number five at one point. It's simply entitled One. O-N-E. And if you can guess what that's about, it's not about three. It's about one. Uh, I authored that book, uh, Sit in My Camper on the Road. Uh, of course, Chris Paul. And uh, uh, like I say, it's available on Amazon. And then uh, my second book, is effective altar working and I highly recommend that if you're in the ministry it'll tell you a lot about how to pray people through the Holy Ghost unfortunately you can't uh, shake the Holy Ghost into people you can't yell loud enough that they get the Holy Ghost so it covers things like that it talks about people's spiritual location and discerning where they're at and uh, things like that so uh, then I have a book on baptism also uh, in Jesus name so, uh, but if you have a chance, take a look at those, and uh, they're really expensive too. I mean, I'm I'm really trying to make a profit off of them. Every one of them is five dollars a piece. <laughs> Tremendous, yeah. So, uh, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, get his book, and and I I mean that. Um, you know, I believe in supporting apostolic uh, authorship. I think I think it's important. I think it's necessary. So get on Amazon, check out his book, get yourself a couple copies, um, share them with your friends, share this podcast with your friends, um, and we'll just see what the Lord will do. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.